Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Gale, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Pierce. He said, uh, with a little bit of a question there on the end, and I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, where I support a community of students along the state of Episcopal Church called Bread and Belonging. Matt, uh, have you heard about Joe? You know Joe, right? No. Well, Joe has been on the, the Dolly Parton diet. Really? Yeah, it looks like it works pretty good. Joe's uh, Jolene. 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 Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is that an original? Have uh, you been working on that? No, I saw it on the internet. But good news, Matt. We can all relax. Dolly Parton has been vaccinated. It was on the social medias today, uh, March mm-hmm. 2nd or 3rd. 3rd. Yeah, that's... It's fantastic. She even sang a little bit of... Vaccine, vaccine. Uh, yeah. What a what a Dolly Renaissance. Just I'd like to think that we had a lot to do with bringing it into being. Yeah, we you know. Single handedly lifted her up like the advent of our Dolly. All in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh amazing. Well, Zach, we're uh, we're coming up on a year of uh, the pandemic here. Uh, almost exactly March. a oh, year. Sure. This is we're recording for the text of, as they say on the uh, Working Preacher podcast, the text for March, Sunday, March fourteenth, two thousand twenty-one. Year B. Yeah, yeah. I believe it was March fifteenth. That was either our last worship or our in person or our first worship online. I can't. Remember. So the good news is that now that mid- we're cruising into this second year, you just copy paste uh, and a little quick tip. For our listeners, that's if you've got a Windows operating system, that's uh, Control-C, Control-V. But if you're on a Mac, it's Command-C, Command-V. And uh, your job's just got easier. There you go. That's why you come to this podcast. Run it back. For the shortcuts. Full circle. Come full circle. I don't know, but uh, thankfully, here in Los Angeles, big news. Uh, we could get back to indoor dining that's what we're all apparently that's what we've all been waiting for the mayor said indoor dining could be right around the corner thank goodness I mean I feel like he he could have said that every day for the past year and it would have been <laughs> true right like, like every day every week you could have said we could be close to indoor dining and you could be you know like something crazy could have happened and the virus would disappear and You'd be good to go. That's promising nothing. <laughs> just, it's just amazing. So we'll see. Uh, schools, they're talking about mid-April for LAUSD. So, see. We, see. here locally, Matt, in the county of Boulder, the People's Republic of Boulder, we've been in, um, we're on the precipice. Speaking of being on the precipice, we are on the precipice of a new color we're about to move to a new color mat, and it's not even a shade of red. We're in yellow. We've been in red and purple, but we're back down to yellow. And the next one, blue, Matt. We're almost wow. d- ready to dive into the blue waters. I didn't even wow. know blue was a... I imagine, like most things uh, in the pandemic, they'll invent a new color uh, that we'll move into before we actually do. 
because I was supposed to be vaccinated. Are you vaccinated, Matt? I'm seeing tons and tons no. of the vaccination selfies among our colleagues around the country and world. You're not. I'm not old enough uh, for that here in Los Angeles. Uh, I did get an email from USC that if you have a USC ID, which I do, and a USC pay stub, which I don't, <laughs> you can get vaccinated. So I'm going to keep checking my email. Maybe I'll get it through USC, uh, but not yet. Mm. I was supposed to be able to get vaccinated uh, at the end of this week on March 5th when here in the state of Colorado, we were going to move into a new uh, priority level of vaccine uh, giving. The vaccination is called 1.B.3, Matt, because that's what we should do, obviously, not stage one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, not st stage six, but one, we're still in stage one, point B, point three. And then this past Friday, Matt, Friday, uh, Friday afternoon, our governor, uh, Governor Polis, Boulder resident, uh, said we're actually going to make some changes and faith leaders are going to be moved to one point <laughs> B.4. <laughs> so one point B.4 did not exist until Friday. They just invented it and they put us in it. So uh, I've got to wait until at best March 21st unless they invent one point B.4 point A and then move me into that. Is that like the lectionary that we're looking at, 4B? That's correct. Uh, I mean, that's that's probably what Kevin Strickland would say back to all of our complaining about the lectionaries is uh, if you want to make all these changes and you're just going to end up with Sunday before Lent, 1.B.3.4.Q. Point 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 Incredible. I have signed up. I'm excited that my life has gotten more complicated. Uh, the local hospital has a list you can sign up on uh, if you can get to the hospital within 15 minutes uh, of them calling you for them to, like, stick you with leftover vaccine doses. Um, so Hannah and I are now on that list. Uh, I've had friends who signed up for it earlier, and they've been called and gotten their, their vaccine and stuff. It's an actual thing that's happening. But the problem that is that now I'm answering all the calls I get on my phone. Oh, no. Because if, I don't want to miss out. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, Matt. I, nobody had told me, but I, well, maybe we've mentioned this on the podcast. I, I sold my vehicle at the beginning of December, so I haven't had a vehicle in months and months now. But still, the extended warranty is about to expire, and I could re-up it. I didn't know that. I have gotten seven calls about that today. Just today. Seven calls. I don't understand. What's, what is happening? I mean, it's a scam. Uh, also, uh, have I thought about refinancing my mortgage? Because uh, they would like me to do that very strongly. Did they repeal the do not call list? I thought this was like a thing we had fixed, and now it seems like it's a problem again. Matt, did you not watch last week tonight with John Oliver no, back in I 2016? Did what did he say? Uh, yes, they did. The Trump administration repealed the do not call list, essentially. And it's that jerk face uh, who was the director of the FCC who had the comically large Reese's oh. coffee mug <laughs> who is causing this. And we could very simply fix it, but we have chosen not to. <laughs> oh, wow. That's very I'm going to send you a link to that, Matt. Well, maybe if we lift up a serpent in the wilderness, 
poisonous snakes. I've been holding so many snakes above my head the past 12 months, man. Maybe that's what's gone wrong. Have we thought about this? Uh, I don't want to jump ahead into the text too quickly, Matt, but when I read this numbers text, I hear a lot of this past year of, uh, of industry, everybody getting bit by snakes, some of them dying, it being a real problem, and they just get a snake and hold it up on a stick, and that fixes everything. We did not take viruses uh, or models of viruses and put them on sticks and hold them up up in the air. I don't think anybody tried that. Not even Operation Warp Speed. Should have done it. Should have done it. (laughs) Should we dive into this text and see? Let's dive into a text about having too many mother snakes on this Mount Mount, uh, Whore. Every... (laughs) You ever been to Mount Whore, man? I'm not. I've not I'm been not to Mount Hor either, I don't think. It turns out, I did some little research here, Matt, on the Wikipedias. There are two biblical Mount Hors, uh, oh. which fits with my uh, shout out. I got another Venmo donation today for uh, supporting my Y Christianity class. We're, we're reconstructing. It's, it's, the con- reconstruction is going to take longer than demo. Demo's fun and quick and feels like exciting, you know, but, but it takes longer to build stuff back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and a thing that, that would not be surprising if, if you were uh, in my course where I deconstructed the Bible, uh, the fact that there are two different mountains in the Bible called Mount Hor uh, would fit right in because it's a total Bible thing to do. A group of people are like, this is Mount Hor. It's very important to us. And another group of people are like, this is Mount Hor, and it's very important to us. And the Bible doesn't say one of you is right and one of you is wrong. The Bible says... It's most important that we include everything. And so they just include all the stories and say, yep, this is Melhor and this is Melhor. I like that. They're it's very far away. Just include everything. The Bible is inherently inclusive. Wow. Fan. It doesn't say, let's yeah, pick like, one creation story and run with it. It's like, oh, you got a creation no. story? This is an open submissions. The Bible has an open door policy. <laughs> if you can bring any oral tradition to the table, they'll write it down and put it in there. I mean, it used to be an open door. It appears to be quite a closed door these days. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, since you get to update on your Why Christianity class, I'm, I'm only teaching a class for preschoolers uh, at the moment. Uh, two, two updates on the construction. We're not at deconstruction yet. Mm. We're just at construction. I, I mean, they, they, they may not have as much to deconstruct yet. Well, they're they're getting there. So, uh, so the other day we did uh, Jesus as the boy Jesus teaching. Uh, he he leaves this. We're watching this little video. He leaves his parents and he goes into this building. And Maya goes, "Oh, that's the temple. Solomon built that." <laughs> what? Your kids have insane biblical <laughs> literacy, man. <laughs> I was like, high five, Maya. That's fantastic. And then uh, today we did the parable of the sower. Uh, and at the conclusion of that lesson, Sierra said, yeah, but I just grow without God's help. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I guess we still have some construction. Still work some work to do. do. Yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> you know, one step at a time. We'll there. <laughs> uh, Numbers 21. Which, by the way, makes for an excellent children's sermon. Number 21? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. I mean, this is exactly, this is exact. like, so we, one of the challenges with Sunday school 
is that it's so easy, not even just Sunday school, I mean, this is a challenge with preaching, is that it's so easy to try to find the moral of the story. What is the moral of the story? It's so, it's just, it's just wonderfully weird. Um, also, uh, a great example of how Numbers uh, has a really, like the title of it is not that helpful. Oh, it's super. So numbers, you you think it's just going to be like listicles, but it's it's got some stories in it. I mean, there are books of the Bible, Matt. If you zoom out for a second, here, okay, there are <laughs> books of the Bible that are lists of things, right? Like Proverbs yeah. is just a list of sayings. Uh, yeah. Psalms, when you look through it, it's mostly numbers. I know that's not the manuscript, right? Like, there are books that should be called numbers, and it's not numbers. Do we? Do we know why it's called numbers? I, I, I actually have no idea why it's There's called There's probably a really good reason, and we just... I mean, we What are the odds that we, our smart asses, uh, are not... Uh, <laughs> aren't right on this? It feels like a bad translation of something, is what it... Ooh. The numbers, numbers. Why? Uh, in... Oh, wild... Wait, wait, wait. In Hebrew, it's just in the wilderness? Why yeah, we just in, the call desert, it in the desert, which is a great <laughs> name. <better> title. <laughs> Bamidabar? Bamidabar? Which means in the wilderness? In the, wi- the desert of, yeah. in the wilderness? That's an excellent... The Greek is erythmoi, right? Which is numbers, arithmetic. So, basically what you're telling me is we could have just called this book Into the Wild, which oh. would make me much more interested in reading it. Like, Yeah. Why would I ever read a book called Numbers? Right? Like, that's... It's it's as if it's a really interesting book that people don't want us to read. So they That's gave what it, a it is. Title. They hit it in there. Can you imagine if John Gregor just named his book... Numbers. Uh, numbers. <laughs> I did finish, Matt. I did finish Into, the, uh, into Thin Air. Uh, and it's just yeah. insane. Insane. Yeah. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Don't go to Everest, guys. <laughs> That's what I always think. I'm just like, why are you there? I don't get it. The takeaway, Matt, we've talked about it. This is partially. Matt, is this another episode of uh, the Crack Hour Fan Club Hour? <laughs> I think it is. Yes. Um, yes, it is. We, we've long said that the takeaway from Into the Wild is to remember that if <laughs> that as snow melts, rivers get bigger. Like, that's all you got to know. That's the takeaway here, right? Like, if he could have just foreseen that in the summer when the snow's melting in Alaska you wouldn't be able to get back across this icy river because it would get bigger simple lesson right he didn't know it, it literally killed him um, here's my my takeaway from Into Thin Air which chronicles the disaster in 1996 of an expedition of all the expeditions on Everest uh, where 11 people died and it is truly tragic and riveting uh, it's an incredible book and awful uh, and similarly to uh, Into the Wild, it is a situation where lots of people made one mistake that wasn't that big of a deal, uh, and that if any one of them had not made that mistake, everything would have probably been okay, but they all get compounded on top of each other, which is how lots of catastrophes happen anyway. My main takeaway is that above 26,000 feet, which the summit of Everest is just below 30,000, right? Um, above 26,000 feet... Where, where the wind, this was a big takeaway for me too. The wind is insane up there because it's the jet stream. <laughs> it's the literal jet stream hitting you. <laughs> because it's 30,000 feet, right? Um, <laughs> but above 26,000 feet, even with like supplemental oxygen that almost all of them had, 
you're so incapacitated that like a part of what the book is about is John was there on assignment with Outside Magazine to kind of chronicle these like guiding services that had sprung up that are now you can see lots of things about. But the reality is above 26,000 feet, a guy like you don't have the capacity to take care of anyone except for yourself. Uh, so if anything happens to you up there, there's nothing people can do without almost certainly putting their lives at grave, grave risk. And so uh, one of the issues that becomes, this is the, the advent of the guiding service at the top of Everest, and, th and the guides have never really done this before, and they feel this like financial pressure, but also this, like, I brought these people up here, and they're like, I can't leave them. And because I can't leave them, like all these other things go like happen, and then like then they can't even they can't get themselves down, and like all of these things. And it's just this reality that like up there you're on your own, um, and there's no there is no safety net. So let's do it. Sounds good, man. It's so expensive. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're gonna sign up. It's so expensive. How much was it back in 1990 something? I mean, still today, like back in then, it was fifty, sixty, seventy thousand um, dollars, and there's no gear. Like you get one shot at it, like that. It's insane. Like the weather, there's like a two week window historically where you can get up, um, and you got to go for a month before you even make the attempt to acclimatize, 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 acclimate. Boom! I'm doing my New York Times crossword so puzzle. Especially really rich. You'd be really rich, um, or have backers, you know. <laughs> Which was a part of the issues too. Is that like so? John's there. Outside Magazine has sent him, and he's not paying anything. But the guide service is, is paying for him because they're using it as kind of like advertising uh, to get right. So they don't want uh, they don't want John not to get up right because then the article is going to be about how I. People were spending sixty, seventy thousand dollars and not getting to the top of Everest with these new guide services. So the other group has this this person who's like a New York kind of like socialite, uh, who's writing a piece for Vanity Fair, right? And so she like they're super like it would be really bad for his business if 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 she didn't make it up right for the piece and stuff right like so there's oh, everybody's making these like. That maybe if a few things go right, it's okay that you made these like mistakes. But they're all like everybody's pressing their their deal. And though there's this one section, spoilers for people. Uh, at one point, it's insane, man! It's crazy! It's so crazy! So like, there's a there's a base camp, like Camp Four or whatever it is. The last camp is uh, around right around twenty six thousand feet. Uh, and that's where you spend the last night and you wake up and you go and you get back down to there and everything goes to uh, goes terribly wrong uh, and a group makes it down but they get caught in this storm uh, and the visibility is so bad that they've made it back to camp four but they can't find their tents um, and so they spend hours wandering around and they're 100 feet away from the tents and they can't find them and so they like they huddled together to try to wait for the storm out, um, and, right? Huddled together a hundred feet from the tents, uh, and uh, eventually somebody like they find out that this group is out there, and somebody goes out to find them and finds them, but only like two of the people can like walk at that point. So they like walk them back, and uh, they end up leaving these two people out there because they seemed so near death. 
uh, one dude, they said his face was like frozen to the ground. And so they're like, I mean, everybody's devastated that they just like, this all happened and it was so tragic. And the next morning, that dude walks into camp, man. <laughs> the dude yeah, who they left for dead, whose face was frozen to the ground, stood up and just walked into camp. And nobody was there to like greet him. And he found his tent and he just like opened it up and fell into the tent and like slept a little bit. You can't sleep that high up. Uh, almost kind of like passed out his feet or halfway out and in the morning they're all getting ready to go and they see him and they just assume he's dead again and so they leave him <laughs> for the second no. time <laughs> did he keep going? yes he, he made it out alive he's in like the PBS special if you watch it he's had a whole lot of plastic surgery for all the insane frostbite but he got left for dead twice on Everest and walked out it's insane. Wow. And you got you got to walk all the way down because the air is too thin for a helicopter up there. It's 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 crazy. Wow. Only on the vinyl preacher. That's been another the edition of uh, the Crack Hour Fan Hour. The Crack Hour Fan the Crack Fan app Cower Hour the Cower Hour Crack Hour Hour. There we go. Let's talk about the text. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers 21. No, 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 no. I believe this is from the 21st chapter of Into the Wild. That's right. Into the Wild 21 verses 4 to 9. Only five verses, and yet a lot going on. <laughs> uh, a reading from Into the Wild. From Mount Hor. We don't know the elevation. It's about 5,000 feet. Is- okay, five. So uh, it's not in the jet stream. No, it's you're good. It's, this is basically Salvation Mountain. That's what we're in. <laughs> That's right. Okay. The Israelites set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. First time that's ever happened. This the is a totally new phenomenon. Against, <laughs> spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. So there is food? (laughs) Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents, uh, and I have a note here from three years ago that says literally fiery snakes, (laughs) among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Word of God. Word of life. Definitely word of life. So, that'll preach. <laughs> I think you just read it. You step down, take a seat, and sing him a day. So, here's here's my take. Uh, I mean, at first glance, it feels like a super weird story with a lot of like. Um, I don't. I just. It feels like a story that was borrowed from oral traditions going back like way beyond whatever this narrative is supposed to be about Mm -hmm. and just like pulls in some like they just look at this thing and then they're healed like 
This feels like something out of WandaVision. I don't know what what is happening. Uh, and so it just feels super weird. And yet, it's going to get tied into um, lifting up Jesus on the cross and all this sense of lifting up, lifting up, lifting up. So where I go with it uh, at this time is I've been reading finally. I finally, uh, it took me a couple weeks, but I finally watched The Black Church uh, on oh, PBS, yeah. which is excellent. Uh, it's really good. It's it's pretty long. It's like four hours, like two 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 hour episodes. But that last hour, I mean, the whole thing is good, but that last hour is really... I'm amazed at the breadth that they cover. Um, and they go to some really surprising places um, and just do a lot of really interesting things. And they talked about James Cohn, had clips of him preaching. And so I said, I, I got to read The Cross of the Lynching Tree. I had it on my bookshelf for years and just had never, never gotten to it. We've all got books like that. So I finally got the audiobook, uh, and that's what I've been listening to this week. And it is so, it is so good. It is so good. Uh, and I think part of what it talks about is the power of, a, of the cross, of lifting up, um, you know, the place where, uh, the place of greatest pain, of greatest oppression, uh, of greatest just ugliness, right, of the world, and yet clinging to the cross um, as, as a symbol of hope within that. And so I wonder if we can do a similar thing with this story, right? If that's this, so if the snakes are this like source of pain, whatever that you're going to do with that metaphorically, I mean, if, I feel like that's what you're going to have to do is like do something with it metaphorically um, and think about what that is. And you lift up that thing and somehow be able to, to find hope in the midst of that. Um, it doesn't seem like it makes sense, but that is what the cross is, right? Um, and so it's on the surface, this super weird thing, but I think you could do some things with it metaphorically. Um, and and transform it, um, but you got to look at it through the lens of the cross. If you if you, which I know is like a challenging thing to like read the <laughs> Jesus back into the Old Testament, mm-hmm. but it's a long going Christian tradition. So yeah, do it. Just just do it, preachers. Just do it. <laughs> That's what I told them to do in my uh, in my Why Christianity class. Right? Uh, is uh, if you can't read the Bible fully literally, and you can't read it fully metaphorically. Uh, you gotta like have a lens, you know, uh, and and the cross in particular, I think, is a particularly helpful uh, Christian lens for reading the Old Testament. Uh, Matt, you're right, right? Like this. So if I were to read this story, which maybe I will next week, I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do for the next three weeks, um, with my my white Christianity students, uh, they would be like, "This story is insane. Uh, why is God sending waves of serpents?" poisonous serpents, right? Not even just like regular snakes, uh, but fire snakes to bite the people who are already in the wilderness. Uh, who, by the way, if you were to read the first part of chapter 21 of, of Into the Wild here, uh, things haven't been going good. They just all got murderated uh, in a battle. Um, why is God sending snakes? Um, and I mean, I think there are lots of good metaphorical answers here um, that are that, that that probably are more like that you can make this story real in terms of like, hey, you've been we've been wandering in the desert here uh, together for twelve months. Uh, you may have noticed that there's some snakes here with us. Um, there's some people who aren't real interested in helping us get to the promised land, uh, help helping helping us get through this, and so. Maybe that's partially waving away some of that concern about a God who sends snakes, um, but 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 we end up asking that same question. I think, um, 
why did God send snakes to these crazy poisonous snakes? But also we ask, why did God, does God allow these snakes to, to be with us on this journey, standing in our way, biting us? Um, you know, it doesn't make much sense. The other interesting choice that I would lift up here that gets made in the story is that the snakes are biting the people, people are dying, uh, and Moses prays for the people. Uh, the people come to Moses, right? They repent, they do all that kind of stuff, and God says, all right, I hear it. Maybe poison snakes was a bit too harsh. Uh, just make a, here's how you fix this. Put a bronze snake on uh, a, a stick, and everybody who looks at it will be healed. Um, was it not an option for God to just re recall the snakes? <laughs> right? So you didn't have to get bit? <laughs> right? The yeah. solution is not you're not going to get bit by snakes anymore. The solution is after you get bit by snakes, you look at this uh, bronze snake and you'll be okay. Um, and so if you're, you're looking to find some good news in this, perhaps it is for those of us who from time to time might find ourselves being, being snakes, uh, that God doesn't weed out the people, doesn't weed the snakes out of the, of the thing. Uh, but kicking and screaming, God's going to pull us into this fuller vision of life. God, like the Bible, is going to lead, lean towards inclusion over exclusion, even when you're being a real poisonous snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... This is this story is not systematic theology, and it's <laughs> no. not, and it's definitely not twentieth, twenty first century systematic theology. I, I, it's so easy for us to try to like make God in our image of what the ideal like moral being would be, and then we're like surprised when we don't find that in the text, especially in these Old Testament texts, right? I mean, the character of God is is often not what we expect. Um, God to be and, and obviously like you have to figure out what to do with that as a preacher but I just I would spend less time trying to like answer all those questions and more time it's it's a story and it's a piece of art that's trying to do something and so it's not trying to answer every question that's <laughs> not actually what the story's trying to do because um, it is funny even narratively uh, God's like I'm not so look I'm not going to send a flood but I'm not making any promises about snakes. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I was very specific we're gonna do about this, the God. flood. Like, what? But it's just a couple weeks ago. Go. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's he's, like, you could really, if you want to be really irreverent, the character of God, it just, like, we constantly have to talk him back, walk him, walk him back from the ledge, right? He's like, what about mm -hmm. snakes? Can I send snakes? No. Fire and brimstone. Okay. This is a place where, where masculine pronouns though. for God make a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, another, like, interest... There's so much blank space to play with in the story, so much space between the lines here. Uh, you know, another one that strikes me that might be fun is, you know, maybe there's a version where God gets really upset and sends snakes, and we assume that God is omni... Uh, all-powerful, whichever one that is. Omnipotent? Is that it? I'll know? I don't know. Uh, but maybe God's not. Maybe God can't, like, recall the snakes, uh, and the snakes are going to do what snakes do. Um, and, and so you could even play with like exactly how much control God has of the situation. Um, this is coming right on the heels of, of when Aaron gets like defrocked and dies. He dies on the top of Mount Or, uh, right at, right before this. Um, so it's this place of like in the wild of, of 
it was some real like disappointment and, and sadness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. If I was going to place it um, in the pandemic, if I was going to preach on this, I mean, I would, I don't know that I would, I would tie that idea of sight to seeing clearly um, the things that hurt us and the things that we don't want to see, right? So things like um, racism. So if we want to live, we're going to have to look at it clearly. It's the only path forward, right? Um, and if that's a poisonous snake that is at our feet, uh, the disparities in healthcare, the fact that um, the people most suffering from this disease are not the people getting vaccines first uh, in, in too many cases. This is a poisonous serpent, and we're going to have to see it clearly if we're going to live our way out of this thing. I could see some preaching that went in a direction of looking at being able to look clearly, to call a thing what it is, and to be able to look at the cross in our world uh, in a really clear-eyed way. Matt, that's an excellent segue into the gospel where Jesus said, uh, again, a little context setting, this is Nicodemus, uh, who is um, a Judean teacher, rabbinical-ish kind of dude, a person of power who, under the cover of darkness, uh, comes to secretly see Jesus to see what's up. Uh, and in Jesus' teaching to Nicodemus, he says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. And indeed, 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 God did not send the Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And for all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The gospel of the Lord, men. You get here, uh, it ends up a little mealy-mouthy for me uh, in some of like the, the John stuff where he's just talking in circles. But, classic John, uh, I think, I think the, the comments you were making there about lifting up that serpent, um, opening our eyes to the things we do not want to see, um, tie in really nicely here uh, because we get Jesus kind of pointing back to this Numbers story of Moses, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But he actually does that a lot. He says the Son of Man must be lifted up. Um, and he does it in the same way that the Synoptic Gospels, your Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, say that the Son of Man must, or the Son of God must die. So it's it's the same thing, right? He's, he's doing, he uses it mechanically the same way. Uh, so when all the times Jesus is talking about the, uh, the Son of Man being lifted up, he's talking about Jesus dying. Um, and so that is the same sort of, I mean, I think that just gives more credence to, to the kind of case you're building there, Matt, of lifting up the broken things. Um, and that that mysteriously is the source of your life. It's the same thing he's saying to Nicodemus, right? There's some light, dark stuff here and it's out of context and that's not awesome. But he's saying it to Nicodemus, who's trying not to be 
lifted up, right? He's trying to find the Jesus that's hidden down below so he doesn't have to, to, to risk uh, lifting up his uh, vulnerability, brokenness, fallibility. Amen. Yeah, and I and like I like the emphasis. Like the gospel moves us toward thinking about life. I mean, it's already it's there in the in the in the Numbers text too, the Into the Wild text too. But um, this love and life and light uh, is here in John, and I I feel like it's it's helpful to think about th- this is the way this is the way to get there right and so looking at like these things that we don't want to have exposed looking at the truth lifting up um, the things that are hard to lift up it's it's so easy for us to paint that uh, as something that is just like ugh, it's this thing we got to do um, but I think when we tell the story as this is the way to life like mm-hmm. this is actually the way to life um, that ends up being good news yeah I mean, and that's another, like, again, I mean, it's, it's year 1.B.3, and uh, we're, we're doing this bouncing back and forth between John and Mark, which is kind of a bummer because they're both so, what I like about both of them is how consistent they are with one another and, like, holistic. Um, and so they're doing, one of John's things is this life. It's life, 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 over and over again, right? Uh, and that that... I think that's an important part of the preaching this week is um, is to do some work envisioning what that life might look like, might be that that opening our eyes to the brokenness uh, will lead us to. Snakes. It looks like snakes. He's not leaving the snakes behind, which is very frustrating for those of us who... Uh, you know, don't like snakes, which is me. I don't like. I don't like them. Even the snakes will be transformed. <sighs> Good stuff. I didn't know we were going to go that direction, but we did. I had no idea where we were going, Matt, because I didn't prepare very much this week. We. I mean, the big realization is we realized that numbers could have a way cooler name. I know that really that we we discovered that in real time mm-hmm. on the air. That was real googling that happened. We're, uh, we went to seminary uh, <laughs> for four years, and then we've been pastors for a decade, and we just. I was over ten out. years into a ministry of word and sacrament before I realized numbers could be really cool. Do you know what it was actually named after? Did you see this? No. It's because there's two censuses taken of the Israelites. Jesus Christ. That's, in the book. that's, that's a that's awful. They, like, what? That's what you go with? Okay. I did some of this the other night. Uh, I was like, hey, you know, like doing the deconstruction stuff still of like, hey, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke and John were, were almost certainly not written by a guy named Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Here's this weird reason we decided to name them this. Um there's so many things like that that even like you know 10 years into ordained ministry after uh, uh, theological education you're never going to be able to like find all of the <laughs> the dumb que- there's like a never ending fount of dumb questions about the Bible and Christianity it's it's incredible uh, again Wikipedia which probably not recommended for your scholarly papers uh, but the book the book of numbers from the Greek arithmoi <laughs> <laughs> Even if you were to name it arithmetic, 
That's something. It would be a little more intriguing. Than, numbers. The numbers. It's a, well, I mean, yeah, the census. We could retouch. That's what we're going to do, Matt. We're going to have, for our 300th episode, we're going to retitle every book of the Bible. Because I think they could all okay. use some work. Could be. Could be really, it could be really fun. Uh, but it, I mean, you know, don't get distracted by the book's cover or title. Yeah, just you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go past it. Just go there. past that cover, same, right to Audible.com. In the same way, I know that uh, you're gonna read these texts and you're gonna want to go for the snakes and you're gonna think about Indiana Jones and you're gonna just, what do I do with all these snakes? Samuel go Jackson. Go past it. Go past it. Uh, and look at the lifted up, what is being lifted up, mm-hmm. uh, and think about the cross. That's that's my advice to preacher. Do not be distracted by the snakes. Keep your eyes on the prize. Well, man, what are you going to listen to while you're keeping your eyes on the prize? I'm going to listen to uh, Mumford and Sons, Snake Eyes. Mmm. Uh, one of the albums they put out after their Grammy-winning album when they're on their way down. Grammys are coming uh, up, right? Still, still pretty good. Maybe. They're know. coming up soon. We should do a Grammy show, man. Grammy show, because oh, the Grammys know. are important. I'm so out of touch because Coachella is not happening. I just, oh. I don't, it's hard for me to stay in the loop. I can only assume that the last people I saw at Coachella are what's cool these days. I did go to a middle school uh, birthday drive-through, uh, which had the theme of Billie Eilish, which tells me <laughs> the kids, which tells me what the kids are listening pretty, to. Pretty happy birthday, uh, huh? And I had to put it on for Chris, who had never heard any of these songs, and so I'm know, not a Billie Eilish kind of. Just made me feel old, which I guess is. I, I mean, I get my emo fix through indie female songwriters. You do. That's yes. I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mumford and Sons, Snake Eyes, uh, Passion Pit, lifted up mm. in parentheses, 1985. I love Passion Pit. It's just some great, uh, you know, it's a guilty pleasure. It's this power pop uh, to the nth degree, but lifted up because I actually think lifted up, even though I put Snake Eyes on here, I think lifted up is the key word here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, going on a more serious note. Uh, Billy Holiday, Strange Fruit. Have you seen the movie? Is it out already? I have not. Me either. I believe it's out, but I have not seen it. I like it, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm still working through it. I mentioned, you know, my emo, uh, indie female, uh, songwriters and rockers. One of those folks, uh, uh, Julian Baker, who's a part of, uh, who's in the universe there with with Phoebe Bridgers and Lucy Dacus, uh, she has a new album that just came out that I'm still working my way through. Matt, uh, like Phoebe's album that I now just am in love with. It took a while. It's not like the first listen. You're like, this is it. Uh, I'm still marinating on it. But in honor of the album coming out this week, that's that that appears to be pretty good. I'm gonna go with a boy genius song, which is the group that what they call themselves when Phoebe and Lucy and Julian play together, and they've got a a, a really good song called "Bite the Hand" because uh, that seems apropos for what's going on here. Yeah. Um, then that I gotta go. I got. I had to have a snake song. We all get distracted by snakes, and I'm going "Land of Snakes" by J. Dot Cole. 
and finally, Matt, in honor of uh, perseverance, which is the only way we're going to get through this thing, is uh, this life that the that John is talking about. I'm curious about it. I want to know what it looks like. And Matt, I wonder, is there a life on Mars? Uh, David Bowie, our friend, friend of the pod, making his way into the playlist. Off of the pod. Amazing. Good stuff. Good playlist. Great. It's, uh, it's been real. Real wild.